Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. On this third Sunday of Advent, we have Klaus Potch with us as our guest preacher, and he will help us have a different view on Bethlehem. As Klaus loves to study the Old Testament, he will take us through a story that happened in Bethlehem many years before Jesus' arrival. But we will also see that this story is not separated from Jesus, but it does not only involve his ancestors, but also is a foreshadow of what would happen later on. So let's learn more about it by listening to Klaus. Good morning, everybody. I'm very happy to be here. I've been here many times. And again, today is the third of Advent. It's called Letare, so it should be, means it has something to do with joy. So I want to bring you a joyful message about Bethlehem, a different view on it. The idea why I chose this topic is a surprise for you. You will find out at the end. Christmas is ante portas, that means as our doorstep, and everybody will hear the name Bethlehem. It's Christ's birthplace. It's hard to find a new approach every year, and I don't envy the pastors who have to come up with a new view on the Christmas story so that the the congregation will not be bored. But let's start with with the name itself. Bethlehem, in Hebrew, would pronounce it Bethlehem, which is the house of bread. It's situated... eight kilometers south of Jerusalem, close to the road to Hebron. And another place here, Moab, it's circled in red, will uh, show up during the story. Bethlehem, other name is Ephrata, which refers to Caleb's wife. Caleb and Joshua were the only two who survived the one of the Egyptian generation of Jews who survived a wandering in the desert and who could enter the promised land. Bethlehem is mentioned in Genesis. Rachel was buried close to it. The book of Judges, chapters 12, 17, 19, the book of Ruth, and in connection with the life of David in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Chronicles, because in the beginning of uh, David's life, his center of life was Bethlehem. But the main importance for us, what we know now, is that Christ was born in Bethlehem. This is where the story starts. It came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the name was Elimelech, and the wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Hilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. There's a family, um, a famine in the land, and the house of bread is empty. Therefore, the head of the family, Elimelech, with his wife Naomi and his two sons, they emigrate. Elimelech, the name means something. El, all the signals had something to do with God, Elohim. And 
Melchizedek is connected with Melech. A king that was encountered by Abraham and where Abraham gave his tenth, his tithe to. A situation like this, meaning a drought, a famine, happens all over the world, even in our times. If you look today in certain countries, people from Africa want to enter the EU. People from Latin America want to enter the U.S. What would you do if there is no food and no future in your country? You'd look for somewhere else. Elimelech and his family went east to the land of Moab. Not the best direction in the Bible. Going east always has a negative connotation. People went east as a consequence of a negative event or the outcome was negative. For instance, Adam and Eve were expelled from the paradise and went east. Cain, after the murder of Abel, fled east. Abraham and Lot separated. Lot went east. And Abraham sent the descendants of his concubines east. Just to mention the few well-known events. That's Elimelech. In Moab, Elimelech died and subsequently his sons as well. Naomi found herself with the wives of her sons, Orpah and Ruth, and here you see the three graves of the male uh, members of the family. Was the decision to emigrate to Moab the good, a right one? Hard to say. No food in Israel. In Moab there was food. Centuries before, Israel went to Egypt because in Egypt there was food. But they, went, uh, they um, fell into, ended up in slavery. So also not a good situation. Naomi, having no husband, no sons, was in a desperate situation. At that time, in the Middle East culture, a woman depended completely on her husband or a male relative in case of a widow. Living alone was dangerous. Neither a husband nor a male relative was available in Moab. She had heard in the land of Moab that the Lord has visited his people in giving them food. Fortunately, the famine in Israel ended. God does not desert his people. He gives them hope. He gives them something to eat. Now, therefore, Naomi decided to return to Judah in the hope that a male relative may be found and be willing to help her. On the way to Judah... Naomi told her daughter-in-law of her bleak situation, therefore asked her two daughters-in-law to turn around, go back to their home country. And if I say I have, and if I say I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. For it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. 
Orpa agreed, but Ruth stayed with Naomi. She felt part of the family, which is expressed in the following verses. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. That reminds me of my art teacher. She's from the eastern Ukraine, where the rebellious people were fighting. And knowing Russian, I wanted to practice my Russian and talk to her in Russian. And she said, no, I don't talk to you in Russian because I'm here in Austria now. This is my home. This is my country. Naomi was crushed by circumstances. All three women carried out what their hearts told them. Upon their return, the people of Bethlehem almost didn't recognize Naomi. Life had taken its toll. Her face has aged and her spirits was changed. She even wanted to be called by another name that reflected her situation. She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Hebrew names have significant meaning. Naomi means pleasant and Mara bitter. In this manner, you find out interesting things about persons. At this point, Naomi doesn't understand why she ran into difficulties and uh, bad circumstances. It is not mentioned here, the why. How often do we not find out the why in our lives? Is, does this sound familiar? Many of us have moments in our life when we feel really down. How to survive in such a time? Hard to give a good advice. You need good friends, not the, li not the ones like Job had, but the ones who stay with you, who support you, and who pray for you. Hope is what keeps us going. Subconsciously, we always wish for a better and a fulfilled life. Ruth, however, was not alone. She had Naomi as a supporter. For her, life was not easy. She was an immigrant entering into a new culture. Picture yourself as one of the migrants in 2015 coming through the Balkan route. Some may have had already friends or people they knew in the country of their choice, but others came alone, sometimes minors only with their cell phones as their companion. Ruth may, might have called herself, will I be accepted? by the neighbors? Will I stay single for the rest of my life? How will I support myself? Who will protect me? Ruth does not immerse herself in self-pity, but starts a PR campaign for herself. She needs to find a man who is interested in her. Where do you find men? Where men are working, and these are in the fields. With the approval of Naomi, Ruth goes out into the fields where most of the workers were men. During the harvest, when you cut the stems of the wheat or the barley, some of the ears, that's the top of the, of the plant, fall to the ground. The workers do not have time to pick them up. They have their hands full already with other stems, 
and they have no place to put them. They leave them on the ground for someone else. Usually poor people look for the leftovers they glean. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. In order to find ears of barley, she went from the field to field and at some point arrived at Boaz's field and asked if she could glean there. And she said, please let me glean after and, and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. And suddenly the owner of the field shows up on the scene and says to the reapers, may the Lord be with you. And they said to him, may the Lord bless you. This scene shows us how good the relationship between Boaz and his workers was. Every story has a low point or a climax. Ruth was, was at the low point, bending down to pick up the leftovers to survive. Remember, we had also a crisis in last century in the 1930s. We all, as I look around, may not have experienced it. But I remember my, remember my father when he was studying at the, sorry, at the Technische Hochschule in Vienna on the way home, went over the Naschmarkt, and you know how the people at the stands look at the crates, oh, this is a good piece, this is a bad piece, bad piece, and this is what my father picked up. Back to our story. From here to the end of the story, we will see how God pours out his blessing. Boaz is surprised to see a young woman in the field. He expects that she is married because women among the, in the field come, bring food and uh, refreshments to the husband workers. Oh, sorry. And um, Boaz asks, whose young woman is this? The workers inform Boaz who she is. As a relative of Elimelech, Boaz, having been all the time in Bethlehem in Judah, was aware of the tragedy that happened to his relatives and what they experienced in Moab. He also knew what Ruth did for her mother-in-law. Therefore, Boaz generally, generously allowed her to stay in his fields, stay with his mates, and uh, take water whenever she was thirsty. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. I've commanded the servants not to touch you. He also mentioned that she was off limits for the other workers. The situation for a single woman has not changed over the centuries. They are considered unprotected and therefore fair game approachable. Ruth instantly thanked him for the favor shown to her. Then she fell on her face, bowing down to the ground and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? She was able to glean more than a common gleaner could or would have because Boaz gave instructions to leave a few uh, ears on the ground. Of her. Coming home, she reported everything to Naomi, her mother-in-law, what she experienced. She learned that Boaz was a close relative, and fortunately, Ruth was very fortunate to have a protector and found a redeemer in her situation. For a stranger, 
Having a protector was like an open door stepping into the society there. Ruth did as Boaz asked to her to do and stayed with his mates to the end of the harvest. There's always a situation when you have questions, when you need guidance. Other older people are often gladly and willing to help. In our case, for Ruth, not being juicy, could use some help. Naomi saw a chance for Ruth to get a husband and instructed her how to go about it. She had a plan. Now, is not Boaz our kinsman with whose mates you were? Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Wash yourself, therefore, and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. It shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and uncover his feet and lie down. She knew that towards the evening Boaz was at the threshing floor. He wouldn't go home. He would stay there, eat, drink, and sleep. That would be the perfect moment to lay down at his feet and make her presence known. Ruth should present herself in her best outfit to be attractive to him. We can see this as the start of the redeeming process for Ruth. What is not said here is why Naomi was not redeemed first, because she was the older one. And I don't know, I don't want to interpret something into the text which is not written there, but here are some suggestions, some guesses. Boaz might have been too young for Naomi. We don't know how old Boaz was, but in chapter 2, verse 8, he addressed Ruth as daughter. That could mean that he was considerably older than Ruth. Naomi acted as a mother who was had the best intentions for her daughter-in-law. And Naomi wanted to pay back the kindness shown by Ruth towards her and step back into the second row. Naomi's plan was a little bit risky. As we will see, the plan required Ruth to take the initiative. Ruth was to place herself at Boaz's feet, which she uncovered. I do not know well enough the Hebrew culture to in, in, interpret this action properly, but it seems to me that Ruth wanted to signal Boaz that she accepted his authority, his leadership, and offered um, to be a servant to him. Keep in mind that Boaz and Ruth were not married. They were together during the night in the same room. Just as a side note, if you want a plan to work, here are a few suggestions. Listen to good advice. In our story, it was Naomi's advice. Carry out the plan with precision. Get properly prepared for the occasion and wait for the right moment. Sorry, this didn't work. So, it happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled and bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. And she answered, I'm Ruth, your maid, so spread your covering over your maid. The plan worked. At some point during the night, Boaz woke up and noticed the person at his feet. 
Ruth told him who she was and asked him to cover her with his blanket. The cover here, in my eyes, has two meanings. First, it's a blanket, of course, physical, to keep her warm. And in, other, and in a more abstract uh, way, it means that she asked protection from his side. It also could mean that she, when she asked for protection, she proposed to him indirectly. Something probably culturally very unusual. But if there's emergency and dire situation, you do whatever you can to make things work. Now, is it true that I'm a close uh, relative, however? There's a closer one than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you as the Lord lives. Boaz couldn't accept immediately because he was the second one in a row. And there was a closer relative or kinsman, and he had to sort things out. But he confirmed that he would be willing to redeem her if the closer kinsman wouldn't do it. So she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize one another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. They spent almost the rest of the night together and then Ruth snuck out before anyone could recognize her. In this way, the risky situation was resolved. We learned several things from this part of the story. Ruth's relatives were a good source of help and protection. Our brothers and sisters in the church are also a good source of encouragement and wisdom. The Redeemer in this story is a close relative. Our Redeemer, Jesus, is also a close relative, a brother and a friend. Be kind, it pays off. Have a good reputation. Don't worry, be happy. Ruth found favor at the feet of her kinsman redeemer. You will also find favor at the feet of Jesus, our redeemer. The redeemer in this story helped Ruth and Naomi through dark times. Our redeemer Jesus is with you in dark times. He understands. He is the strong power that you can run into. After Boaz confirmed to Ruth that nobody should know about this night, she left with a sizable amount, namely six measures of barley. Coming home, she told Naomi how things went. Naomi is convinced that there will be a happy end and that Boaz will remove every obstacle and will seek to redeem her. The lesson for us. Some news can be dangerous. Don't talk about it. Means spending the night with someone you're not married to. Don't let it spread. In a similar way, Mary kept the words with the, uh, which the shepherds told her for herself in Luke 2.19. Report the good things. The book of James, James warns us of the opposite of the damage that the tongue can cause. 
The faithful will not be left empty-handed. The Redeemer gives you plenty. And the Redeemer will finish the deal. A familiar verse in the New Testament, Philippians 1.6, reads, He who began a good work in you will perfect it. Waiting is sometimes required for the outcome. Psalm 37 Verse 7 suggests, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Patience, it's a weak point in my life. And I tell you, when I pray, I would like to have the answer immediately. <laughs> Won't you either? In our culture, the people who uh, for, um, make decisions meet in the city hall, in the parliament, there, in other places, Cultures, it's done in the open, where it's warmer, where the temperatures are higher. Look at our, let's say, Reimannplatz, 10th district. Lots of non-born Viennese, let's put it this way, politically correctly said. They meet in the open because their social life happens in the open. In Israel, the important people sit at the gate, probably watching who is coming into town and who not. So this is where... Boaz goes to uh, to meet his to look for his kinsmen and also to look for some elders who will be present there for for the deal he intends to propose. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by, and so he said, "Turn aside, my friend, sit down here." And he turned aside and sat down. He took. Then ten men of the elders and of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And if you think the deal was about to redeem Ruth on, on Naomi, you're mistaken. The deal was about a piece of land that Naomi wanted to sell. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell a piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Why would the acres out of a sudden turn up would, what would be in it for Ruth? We don't know. Noah's revealed, revealed that a string was attached to the deal. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Ruth was connected tight to the land. If Elimelech's brother wanted to redeem by the land, he would also have to redeem to marry Ruth. The man would lose his own inheritance if he married Ruth. Therefore, he turned the offer down. And Boaz could buy the land and redeem Ruth. Some customs may seem funny to us. In this case, the two men did not sign a parchment they exchanged sandals.
a business case for Humanik, just to produce contract sandals. Yeah, don't fit. They don't fit on on feet. They fit on hands. Yeah. Interesting uh, would be the filing system. You have, you have a shelf, and there are just sandals lined up. Now, this was the custom. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandals and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. There are some final points gleaned from this passage. You may not always be the chosen helper in every situation. If you are, seek God's wisdom. You might need witnesses to close a deal. If you do, seek out someone trustworthy. There are, there may be strings attached. Pay close attention because the strings attached in a contract, when they do something, a deal, they are not mentioned and they are not on the table sometimes. Here we see an example of someone fulfilling his obligations towards a relative. You may also have some obligations to honor in your family. Ask the Lord to show you. He showed it to me. Uh, several years ago, and we took Carolyn's mother into our home. Not an easy task, I tell you. The happy end comes now. So Boaz took Ruth, his wife, and she gave birth to a son. Naomi, our grandmother, was considered blessed as well, also by other women. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. So they named him Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. We're coming now to the summary. The book of Ruth is heartwarming. You could either see it as a love story or as a metaphor, a picture for the salvation process of a person. Remember, at some point on the threshing floor, the chaff was separated from the grain. Is that not separating the old person from the new one, getting rid of sin and replacing it by righteousness? Second Corinthians 5, 7 uh, reads, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Our initiative, like the one taken by Ruth, is required. We need to repent and consciously follow Christ and accept his, accept his offer. We need to place ourselves at the feet of Jesus, like Ruth at Boaz's feet. God does not see our sin. We are covered by Jesus' righteousness, like Ruth by the cloak and, uh, of Boaz at the threshing floor. Epilogue. What has the book of Ruth to do with Christmas, the birth of Christ? Bethlehem, the house of bread, is full again because of Jesus' coming. He said, I am the bread of life, in John 6.35 and 6.38, uh, 48. Bread is the essential staple of life in almost all cultures. 
Without Jesus, we will have no life after death. And he also said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What more can you ask for? Thank you.